and welcome to episode three of From Text to Testimony. I'm Andy. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm going to be joined by John Pyle in just a few minutes. And this episode is, I don't know, kind of a free-ranging, a little bit of a romp, if you will, uh, through communicating with the next generation, kind of the generations that are a little bit younger than you, and for some of you, even a lot bit younger than you, and communicating with the generations that are digital natives can feel pretty daunting, uh, especially when you're trying to talk about Jesus and, and when you're trying to text with them when there is some weird sort of abbreviations and some modes of of conversation and some things that they're talking about that, that you might not really get, that you might not really understand. And John and I are here to clear up some of the things. Now, this is only part one. Uh, this is going to be, like I, say, like I said earlier, a, a little bit of a free-ranging conversation. And we hit on a number of topics that we're actually going to come back to in parts two and possibly part three, depending on how much we get through in part two. Uh, there's definitely going to be a follow-up to a lot of this because we get a lot of questions as pastors and really as glue users, just like yourself, how to talk to people, how to a- actually be authentic with them without seeming like you're bombarding them, without seeming like you're just trying to get to, to, to prove a point with them. And so we kind of dive into that today. Plus, we kind of have some more stories, some some really cool things that have happened in and outside and around Clue, and also some other things just that we find funny. So with all of that being said, sit back and relax and get ready for episode three of From Text to Testimony. And as we reconvene here for episode three of From Text to Testimony, uh, my dude John right next to me, I, I don't think we've ever gotten like an official introduction into your, let's put it this way, your habits and your kind of things that you do on a daily basis. Like what does a day yeah. in the life of John Pyle look like? Okay, so wake up, hmm. one. Uh, the first thing I'm gonna do unfortunately is pick up my phone that's just (laughs) that's just what i do because i'm i'm being real like i wish i could be the guy that was like well i open up my you know augustine bible and i know spend an hour and a half in quiet meditation underneath the the stars yep uh no wake up kind of go okay any emails or emergencies happen any pastoral care emergencies that i have to take care of no okay then just like wake up, kind of get into my day, make make a tea. I'm a tea guy, not a coffee guy. Oh, really? Love, yeah, love a good tea. Uh, that's an important thing for me. There's a cream Earl Grey from this coffee shop we got in upstate New York that has become like a, just like a special treat. When daddy needs a special treat, that's, <laughs> that's uh, drink it with honey. I drink tea with honey. So a little okay. local honey that helps okay. the allergies. Yeah. Kind of keeping the pollen kind of a uh-huh. deal. Uh-huh. I'm responsible for getting my kids to school. After eight years, basically, of taking kids to school, we finally figured out that the division of labor should be my wife does quality control and I do taking them. Yep. And so she's like, do you have everything? Instead of me just being like, whatever, man, you got what you got, bro. Yep. Sorry. Yep. She's yep. like, you got your lunch. You got your water bottle. Is your hair combed? Did you brush your teeth? And then I run the kids to school. And that is probably taking me to about 730 in the morning. 
right? And so central time, if you're tracking time zones, not that that I am. matters. Yeah, no, okay. I am. Excellent. Who yeah. doesn't? Yeah. Uh, central time. And then from there, it's like, okay, what do I need to do today? Do I need to get into the office and I need to make some content? That might be when I take some time for reflection and reading and just taking a moment to calm down. Do I get a, do I get a chance to go, hey, honey, she's a school teacher. So it's like, hey, can I bring you some coffee and get a chance Aww, to see you? And, Mr. Romance here. Yeah, yeah, hey, you got to keep it fresh, bro. Coming up on 19 years at the end of the month, keep it fresh. Yeah. And, uh, and then I jump into the work day. And that is as a pastor at a church, shout out to any pastors that are listening. It's widely varied. Yep. I have, I have meeting days. I have writing sermon days. I have past yesterday was a pastoral care day. It was just person after person, after person, after person. And because not that this is a segue, but because I am connected digitally to a lot of people and younger people in the next generation. A lot of that has to do with texting. And so I'm interacting with people through digital means all throughout the day. And that's a big part of how we do pastoral care. You're a real pro. You should you should be a professional podcaster when you grow up, John. I'll, I'll think about it. Okay, yeah. I, they yeah. don't make a whole lot of money uh, and really not a whole lot of prestige, but... Yeah. Uh, you you know you, you get people to know your name, so there you go. Yeah, if anything, it costs money. You just <laughs> a, a you lot spend of money. money. Yeah, you spend money to podcast. You're not making money. Yeah, yeah, because there's always a better piece of gear to buy. Yeah, totally. Yep. Um, it, that's awesome. Yeah, the the pastoral thing. So I'm I'm glad you touched on. We're, we're going to get to the texting thing because that's like well, you know what we do around here at from text to testimony. But but the pastoral care thing uh, and the fact that every day is different. I I've been I've been a pastor for 14 15 years now, and the one thing when my wife and I first got married about 10 years ago, I had to try to tell her like, babe, listen, this is not a nine to five job. Some days are going to be nine to two. Some days are going to be seven to two. Some days are going to be like 10 to 10. And then other days, like for seasons, you might not see me. Like at, from yeah. for Easter and Christmas seasons, like there's six weeks there where you're just not going to see me because yep. I'm going to be I'm going to be there and then I'm going to be late. We got rehearsals. We got set. We got we got this. We got that. We got yeah. the other thing. But the one the one interesting thing that I always try telling potential people that are wanting to get into ministry is the only regular day, the only normal day you're ever going to have every week is Sunday. Yes. Most people think most people think like, wait, what do you mean? That's like when all the people here said, yes, that's the only day that is the same. You know, there's yes. obvious little differences yes. and things like that. But by and large, you know what time you're going to wake up. You yep. know what time you're going to be done. You know, if you got a lunch meeting, you know, if you got to go back at night, that's yep. it. Everything else up in the air. How do, how do your kids deal with like daddy sometimes not having the most um, regular of schedules? Um, they tend to like it because <laughs> I end up because you can pick them up. Because I get to pick them up from school on a lot of days. Like yep. they miss me on certain days, but most of the times, you know, we try to do a thing with our kids where we don't do video games on weekdays. We try Good. to avoid video games on weekdays. Good. So when I'm gone all day, like on a Sunday, they get to play video games and sometimes barely notice I'm gone. Yep. And so I'll, you know, I'll leave before they wake up and I'll walk in the house at like five or six that evening sometimes and they'll be like, oh, Hey, did you step out for a second? <laughs> and she's like, I've been gone all day, bud. All day. All day. Uh -huh. Love you too. Uh, love yeah. you too. I, but I, I, I do. I yeah. I do want to say Sunday is such a regular day. Like yeah. 
and because you're just like locked in it's what yep. you do and yep. you're you're there and you know there's some clear boundaries of your schedule and rigidity that we don't have other days yep and it and it's the end of my work week and and i know a lot of people look at sunday as the start of their work or the their week it's the end of my week the my week starts on monday morning really my week starts when i get to get home and if i get to take a nap that's when yeah. my week works because those sunday afternoon naps ooh I mean, I think heaven is going to be filled with just the feeling of a Sunday afternoon nap like that. They hit different. Those oh Sunday my gosh. Afternoon naps hit different. It's just, it's like, it's like all of the energy has vacated your body and there is not a care in the world. You might have to think about your fantasy football team for a little bit yep. and that's it. Yep. Absolutely. So for this episode of From Text to Testimony, like you heard from my intro, uh, we're talking a little bit about communicating to the next generation. And I don't mean the next generation like babies. What I mean is the next generation like the one that's behind us. So if you were with us uh, in the first episode, John and I actually talked a little bit about the fact that we are not the digital native generation. You know, we, we John and I, are in our early 40s and we <clears throat> we don't represent what would typically be known as the next generation. In fact, I think we're technically like the common generation now. Is that what we are? Yeah. Maybe millennials, yeah, I think. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the millennial generation is kind of the one that is in the bell curve right now. But there's a generation behind us that is digital native, that is uh, digital friendly, that knows nothing except the ubiquitousness, uh, there's oh, a word, yeah. of our phones, of, of, of texting as a way of communication and all those other things. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, this is going to be a multi-part episode. Um, we're going to bring on a friend of ours, Megan, next time. Uh, Megan! We've got a couple of, <laughs> Megan's the best, man. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of churches that we're getting lined up to talk to them as well, because they have some interesting communication strategies. But for John and I to kind of wrap about this for a minute, in our text section, John, I wanted to come to you first, and I wanted to ask you, do you have any of those texts that you got from somebody from the next generation that really just kind of stick out to you? Any stories that you want to bring to the table today? Yeah, and I have, uh, there's at least one, but here's the almost all too common one. Hey, I'm struggling with my mental health. Mm. I don't know where to go. Mm. There's not a church around here that feels like I can connect. Mm. W help me. And there's not a lot of, some of these texts that we get have specific asks, right? Of, can you pray for me? Can you can you get me connected? Can you do this? But a lot of the the texts from the next generation are just kind of, bleh. it feels like <laughs> almost like a vomit of just like, this is where I'm at and this is what's going on. And, you know, our job then is we're kind of responding and kind of sorting through that. But it's just a repetitive process of, I don't know what I need help with. I just know that I need help and I don't feel good. So that's interesting that you point that out because one of the things that I kept running into as I was doing a bit of research and going back through our, essentially our texting history with yeah. a bunch of explorers, I could definitely tell when there was a divide. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is going to sound like I'm being ageist and I don't mean this inappropriately or anything, so please forgive me, but the texts that I was getting in a lot of times were uh, depressed, just broke up with my boyfriend, just broke up with my girlfriend, uh, and you know, there was no need, it was just, this is going on. Yes. And, and there was not a whole lot of punctuation and there was never usually any capitalization. Right. Um, and then 
if I would respond and then they would, they, you know, if we actually started a conversation, a lot of times I would get the so-and-so emphasized this or so-and-so liked this, meaning right. that they had done a tap back on their iPhone, yep. Yep. which which is hysterical because it doesn't come through in glue like that. It just comes yeah. through in the old like green bubble thing, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic to me. But but the point of that in here, let me, let me read one. And this is from a, a woman named Tanya. Okay, after the first time of, this is just the initial text. Mm -hmm. uh, she had come in through the ad topic of church's care relationships. And it said, okay, after the first time of my relationship, me and my boyfriend keeps breaking up and getting back together. And we want to be with each other so bad, we just break up over everything. And that was it. That was the mm -hmm. whole text. And we will talk a little bit about the conversation in the next thing. But are you finding that more and more and more? It's just statements instead of actually like wanting Absolutely. to connect with an actual person. Yeah, it almost feels like a generation raised in the social media all part of what they know how to do is just emote and just mm. like throw it out there right mm. and so like it's a lot of the one-sided almost not even thinking about who's on the other side of the the conversation that somebody might actually respond but just this is where i'm at and this is what i'm feeling Blech. so and as it just comes out so as a care pastor then how do you respond to that we'll get into tips a, a yeah. little bit later but how do you find yourself responding to those is it a stock response like hey i'm so-and-so from so-and-so church just wanted to know i'm praying for you is there any way i can help you or is there something else that you're doing yeah there has to be context so there does have to be an introduction for sure there has mm -hmm. to be like i'm defining who got this so that you know who's on the other side of it but I, I have found generally that stock answers for, like, I think they can, at least with younger people, it feels like they can tell when it's the same thing you've sent to everybody that's texted in. And mm -hmm. I, maybe that's just a, a thing that I hold in my heart, but I think they know when it's like a prepackaged auto response. Uh, like, I feel like they can feel it in their bones. Yeah. Uh, and so while I'm introducing myself, I want to make sure that I show empathy first and foremost for whatever it is. Um, because this is a universal in dealing with young people since like Romeo and Juliet, probably of younger folks, right? Whether in your 20s or your teens, whatever problem you're going through tends to feel like the end of the world. Huh. And it's really easy for us as grownups who've experienced more life to be like, oh, yeah, there's other fish in the sea, right? Like the breaking up of the boyfriend is a perfect one because I've gotten those two of like, I feel like we're meant to be together, but we keep breaking up. And it's like in your head, you're like, oh, kid drama, right? Yep, and you, yep. can, you can kind of poo-poo it. But I think this next generation especially needs grownups who take them seriously, and take their problems and their needs seriously, even if it doesn't feel that way for us. Hmm. And, you know, broadcasting and posting about stuff might seem silly to us, but when somebody's breaking up with someone that they feel like they love, like, let's take that seriously. And so even though I do introduce myself, I do try to bring empathy first and foremost to be like, man, that sounds really difficult. I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'm going to ask you a little bit later how you do that, um, like a couple of practical tips. But I, yeah. something you just said there that I want to pick out before we get into the testimony section is that you need people who take them seriously. And that that's something I keep finding with my kids where mm. <clears throat> they resonate. So with me, obviously, I'm their dad. Like yeah. they're 
going to love me, fear me, respect me, whatever, whatever thing you want to put around that, uh, fear, not in a sense of like, yo, I'm going to go come home and throw things at them, but fear as in like, Hey, I don't want to disappoint him. Uh, the healthy type of fear, Mm -hmm. the, the, the flip side of that is like, I noticed when they get in small groups with, especially like here at youth group, they are attracted more to the leaders, even if they're older leaders that are actually curious about them, actually asking questions about them. The pushback on that has always been that the next generation is a very selfish generation. Do you find that? Or do you find it's just a different way of communicating? Well, it's a different way of communicating. Like, I don't, I don't think they're selfish, any more selfish than any other generation that's ever come and gone. I think self is just a difficult concept for this generation in a way that we've never experienced. And so identity and self is such a crisis right now uh, for so many young people. And so I, like, I'm pretty sure the research, and I think it was Kara Powell and some of the other Youth Institute kind of research is like, the young people are going to be attracted to the person of the most influence that takes themselves, that takes them seriously. And it's what you said. It doesn't matter if they're 70. It doesn't matter if they're 27. If it's somebody who's genuinely interested in them and cares, then they're going to gravitate towards that person. And that you cannot fake that. You you cannot fake that. It's something that you really can't manufacture, hmm. um, no matter how hard you try. So... In the midst of that then, and we're just going to roll right into our testimony section because I don't want to stop this conversation. In the midst of that, where do you see God moving either in 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 and throughout Clue or in and throughout some of these texting relationships that you've had as a care pastor? Where How do you see the Lord kind of working in that? Well, what is really hard about it is that he works in their timing. And what I mean is, I mean, the Lord works in his timing, right? But we don't see the fruit of the work on our timing, Hmm. right? Because we hear something and we go, immediately, I'm going to get you plugged in and we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. But you sometimes have texting relations. First of all, it was weird to me that some people prefer to text about big problems than call, right? Like that was just something that I didn't consider. But some people want to text and it's like, okay, cool, let's do that. Um, But it... It allows for slow, I would say slower, but uh, progress, uh, Mm. slower from our perspective. What I would say from their perspective is more intentional of when they're actually going to take those steps. Mm. And so it might be months until they take the next step because it's it's a more, texting in some ways is like more intimate, but also like less, uh, you don't see as much of the person, right? Because it's just words. And so it's less intuitive, maybe. Uh, it's intimate, but not intuitive. And so you're you're texting with folks. And so I just see God working in the time of the person that, you know, maybe they don't text you for a couple months, but then they're like, hey, I'm reading the Bible again. And can you blah, blah, blah. And text is a great avenue for infrequent communication, but not feeling like you're letting someone down or missing the goal. Because mm. I think... Uh, as I've worked with young people, it's like, I want to go, okay, we're going to start reading the Bible together and we're going to go through this study and we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. And when they don't meet the mark, it's so discouraging that they'd rather ghost yeah. me than connect. 
They would yeah. rather ignore the relationship, sacrifice the relationship because they didn't feel like they were living up to what I had for them than that. And so texting is a medium that allows the patience to set in. Yeah, and there's a there's a pace to conversation as well. I remember when I was first getting uh, in a relationship with my now wife, this is 11, 12 years ago, we would text nonstop. Um, but now we don't. You know, it's that our texts are very much like, hey, can you grab milk and uh, cereal? <laughs> or, yeah. hey, uh, check on, make sure the garage door was shut. You know, stuff like that. Sometimes yeah. it's like a, a longer conversation. But by and large, we have a face-to-face -face conversation set up. But, but the I remember the texting nonstop. There was no timing. It was just like, I'm trying to get out as many messages as possible to this woman that I really like yes. and I really like, want to spend the rest of my life with. And she was doing the same thing back to me. And I don't. I feel like that's kind of lost right now because um, mm. I look at my my daughter and her boyfriend, and they they sometimes don't text for like three to four hours in between each other, which is like unfathomable to me. But I think there's a pace, there's a speed of yeah, not of thought because I, I think my daughter is way more intelligent than I am and mm. was at that age. It's not an intelligence thing. I think it's more. You're exactly right. Like God. God has almost slowed down the digital native generation. And, and yeah. it's weird because I think a lot of us, especially our age, we looked at the generation behind us when we were in Bible college and when we were watching people kind of grow up and in our early years of preaching, and we would say, oh man, the world is moving at such a breakneck pace, but I, and like I don't know how we're gonna keep up and I don't know how we're gonna do all these other things. But if we step back, it's us, the millennial generation, that yeah. is actually creating the breakneck pace. Yes. The generation well, that's younger than us, as evidenced in their texting, doesn't want that. They're almost actively rebelling against that. Yeah. And we're so reactive to notifications and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, that's a millennial thing of like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I got five notifications. Oh, my gosh, I got to do this. And the intentionality that you're talking about of, I'm going to text you when I can text you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like it, it's the, the ball is on my court to return this text and I can do it whenever. And so it actually weirdly, like you said, it's almost counterintuitive, but it slows down the pace. And I think mm. it's why different apps like TikTok and, uh, you know, Snapchat when it was super popular and, and other things ha and be real and other like snapshot oh. of life platforms have been um, more popular because it's not like, oh, I got to respond to this notification to do this thing and people need to know what I'm doing. It's like, it's like, boom, it, yeah. you, you give a snapshot of your life and it's kind of supposed to be real, but they really are slowing down and they really aren't about this breakneck pace that we, and we have to own that, that we have kind of created. Yeah. The, um, the, the woman I was talking about, lady, girl, I guess she's technically a girl that I was just talking about. Her name's Tanya. She was the one that had a boyfriend and they broke mm -hmm. up and yada, yada, yada. Um, so it's interesting you talk about, so she first texted in, in Jan on January 25th of 2023. And then I didn't, and I almost lost this story until I was doing a little bit of research uh, before this. She texted in then, and then I responded, hey, I'm Andy, and I'd love to get you plugged into our community that would be able to help you out and pray for you and pray over you, especially with your boyfriend. Uh, and I, she ghosted me for like two months, and I figured like, okay, this is just another one of those glue things. Like we're, yeah. you and I are both very, and anybody out there that's part of the glue uh, ecosystem, you know, like that just happens. There is, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're shotgun uh, shooting all these things sometimes. Yeah. She texted back two and a half months later. So this is March, January, February, Mar yeah, March 13th of 2023. 
she texted back, oh, hey, thanks so much for that. Uh, and then we started we started up a conversation. It was just, yeah. okay, thanks for that. And then the conversation started and it looked turned out she's like 23, 24. She's a young professional. Uh, she just got out of college and she's working, it's like she's training to be an LPN, licensed professional nurse or licensed practitioning nurse. And she was looking for a group, a local group to kind of hang around with. Yeah. Lo and behold, we had a we have a young professionals group here, a group of like 20 somethings that are in that weird sort of not in college, but also not like wife and husband yeah. and kids that, you know, and that's yeah. just Tanya. And so I've kind of got her into that group. I got her connected with that group. And lo and behold, she starts showing up to their meetings and she's still been showing up to their meetings. And this is October, uh, middle of October, 2023. They just had yeah. their last one uh, a couple of weeks ago. And she's still showing up to go to the bar and hang out, to go get pizza, to go watch a football game. Like she's doing these things, yeah. which is great. And she's meeting people and she's meeting, you know, she's, she's avidly worshiping here at the church and all this, all because... I had given up on the relationship and then yep. she, she did not. And like, I, I think there's like a ton of weight and a ton of merit to what you're saying. Also, as you were texting, I got three notifications on my Apple watch and I had to just like glance down to see what they were. Yeah. So we're to blame here. It's well, it's so amazing though, because you brought up that point and it's like, we are captive to our digital technology. And it actually yeah. goes back to what I started this in when I wake up in the morning, right? The first thing I do is check my phone and my notifications. I'm, I am to a certain degree a slave to mm. my digital life, right? And it is something that is, it's not healthy. And so we're not celebrating it by any stretch. Like it just kind of is what it is. I see this generation trying to break those bonds because they keep open lines, yeah. right? And so lines that we think are closed of, oh, they haven't responded in, in the course of a week, it's like, ah, oh, well, this is somebody who's not going to respond. But she kept the open line of going, well, I know there's a place that I could reach out. I just don't want to do it right now. Hmm. It, now's not the time for whatever reason. And there's a real sense of knowing yourself to have that kind of ability to keep the open line. And so I would say don't close those lines, right? Like don't close the lines to the next generation just because they don't seem interested. Keep it open and let them come on their own pace. And I think that's part of why they feel maybe we can be critical and selfish of them, us and the boomers and the Gen Xers, is because they're like, oh, they're just going to do it on their own time. And it's like, yeah, well, they're kind of breaking some of the bondage that we're creating to these things that don't matter. Yeah. There's a there's an interesting thing that we've been talking about. You you need to show empathy number one. Yeah. Uh, but you also need to not close that communication. So for you, give me like a couple of tips. How do you show empathy when you're responding to an explorer that comes through glue? Like what what are the kind of the things that you're looking for and the things you're saying? Yeah, great. The first thing is you don't want to move to answers too fast. And so mm. empathy is is kind of sitting with people in it. And instead of trying to go, okay, here's the response, think of it as an invitation into their world and going, hey, it sucks that this happened. You, know, you might not say that, but you might say, hey, I'm sorry that this happened, or that sounds really difficult. I can't imagine what it's like to do this. And so you have empathetic language that you're coming with. And, and after the introduction of like, hey, I'm Andy, hey, I'm John. Like, hey, man, that sounds really difficult what you're going through right now. 
and just uh I, I forget what you call it but it's like it's not legitimizing it's validating there we go yeah. uh yeah. it's it's validating their concern and going man i can understand why you would feel that way but also you know you're not going like oh yeah that happened to me too i had a breakup right that's what their friends are gonna do their friends are gonna go oh when i broke up with my boyfriend blah 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 blah, blah. their parents are probably gonna be like and this is you know I have kids and I do this to my kids, right? Your parents are going to be like, bah, 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 bah. I remember yep. when I broke. Okay. And they're going to give you advice. And so as somebody who can care for them as an adult, uh, not as a peer necessarily, but as a mentor and adult, somebody who can help guide the way, a spiritual guide, you're coming in next to them and going, man, that's got to be really hard. And you're validating something that other people might not be validating. And you're and in empathy and validation, you're taking them seriously. You're saying your, that's all empathy really is in this kind of relationship. You're going, your problem matters to me. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why it matters to you. It's really hard. And now you've opened a line. That's what, that's the opening. You're going, well, now you can share other stuff for me because I recognize that this is hard for you. Mm-hmm. Two things. Um, number one, do you feel like your kids actually hear you as like the Charlie Brown character? Like, mur, 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 mur. like is that is that their your voice to them? So many times, I absolutely do. Like, I'm like, you literally cannot hear me. Literally. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, um, the empathy thing. So a person, I, I, I have never been an empathetic character. I'm sympathetic, meaning mm-hmm. I can... I can sit with you, but empathy is not sitting with you. Empathy is that yeah. sort of like, I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm living that with you. Yeah. Is there is there any sort of like training? Is there any sort of mantra? Is there any sort of mindset you need to get into if you are not an empathetic person? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know because I'm not an empathetic person. <laughs> uh, or because I, oh, sorry. I don't naturally. know because I am an, a naturally empathetic person. Like it just... Right. It just happens. And so right. I don't know what it would take to get in that mindset because I'm empathetic to the cashier, like whatever. Um, in working with people who aren't as naturally empathetic, the first thing to do is stop. Like there has to be a break because people that tend to not lead with empathy sometimes have like an agenda or a pace or, hey, we're trying to move this along. I'm trying to check some boxes or maybe more task oriented. I'm trying to get this thing done. I'm trying to do this. You have to stop the task orientation and switch to people orientation for a moment. Hmm. That the thing in front of you is not a a checkbox. It's a person. Hmm. And this, this is not a task. It's more of a project of... You don't know where it's going to go, but you just got to leave yourself open to kind of being there with this person. Hmm. And so when you stop, I think there's something naturally in us that God has wired, especially as believers, where we can weep with those who weep. We can mourn with those who mourn. There's a natural way that when somebody says something that engages us emotionally, that we go to our emotional like library of going, when did I feel like that? Yeah. When did I feel alone because my boyfriend broke up with me? And it might not be like, I've never had a boyfriend break up with me, right? But I I have had girlfriends that broke up with me. 
I have had disappointment of losing a job. I have had like, what have I had that would put me there? And what would I have wanted someone to say to me is usually a really good way to start with empathy. Hmm. And, a, and a practical tip I want to bring out is actually from Dr. John Harris's BLESS course that uh, we now have available in Glue and all throughout uh, other resources as well is the first one of that is begin with prayer. But the L, the second part is listen, become a good listener. Mm. Um, a lot of times I think, you, you know, you talk about task orientation. I'm task oriented with the next generation in particular. They don't care about my tasks. My tasks in all of that are are something that that can be shoved to the wayside essentially with the next generation. They are something that they don't necessarily care as much about. And I find myself getting a little frustrated with that. So I guess yeah. our last tip there, any, any tips out there for people that are finding themselves frustrated with the next generation? Yeah, the, I, I think what you said is really good because when I talk to, uh, let's say our boomers, right? An older generation, they have so much concern that they're taking my time. Really? Because they're like, oh, you're a pastor. You have a lot to do. You And, and so they do take in mind the tasks, huh. right? They they do think about, oh, we're busy. And to your point, I don't see that with Gen Z at all. Like, yeah. they're not thinking I have a life beyond them. Like, yeah. whatever, like, and you can, you know, you can say it's because of this. You can come up with any negative reason. And so... I think the I think the advice is um fill in the gap with like your full, we my wife and I call it full buckets, right? Assume the best. And just assume that even though they don't maybe care that like you're having to take the time to do this or you're bending over backwards or you're you know you're doing going above and beyond for them, they might not acknowledge that nor care about it. Hmm. And that is not also assume the best of them. But my challenge for you is going, well, are you doing it because they're going to appreciate you? Or are you doing mm. it because it's the right thing to do? Mm. And those are the hardest people to love is the people who don't give us anything in return, which is exactly what Jesus talked about, right? Like even the Pharisees will <laughs> like can love somebody who loves them back, right? Uh, that's, uh, gosh, it was, I think it was in the context of prayer of like, like, Nobody gives their child a stone, right? Yeah. That, that kind of yeah. thing. So Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good stuff. I think in the next episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of these because uh, there is some really good points there. And actually, I want to bring a little bit of, I'd love to bring a special guest on um, who's a little bit younger than us to actually answer yeah. some of these questions, like Megan Carter, who is a little bit younger than us. Go, Megan. Uh, go, Megan. So uh, we'll have her in the very next episode. But until then, we love you. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode three of From Text to Testimony. We'll see you next time. See you.